it, it, it's leaving a really negative stain on beer as a category. It, it, it's further infantilizing beer. Welcome to episode 419 of Brews News Week, recorded today, Thursday the 18th of May 2023. I'm Sabrina Kunz and I'm joined today by Ian Watson. Hey, Ian. Hey, Sabrina. Uh, how are you going? Good. And we're joined by our um, returning fearless leader who actually happens to be in Sydney this time, Matt Kierkegaard. Hey, Matt. Hello to you both. It's good to be back. In the US, they would call that welcome back stateside. Do we have something like that? Welcome... Welcome back uh, to Aussie land. I don't know what we would down say. Down under. Down yeah. under, that's it. Welcome back down <laughs> it was, under. Uh, it was a long flight too, let me tell you. It was a long long trip home. Yeah, you haven't been. Um, ha- you haven't had the best luck with uh, flights at the moment, have you? It's modern travel. I'd rather still rather be travelling than not. Right, well, we'll kick on with the news um, and it would be remiss of us not to start the news this week with um, the black flag barely legal. So no doubt um, all of our engaged listeners will have seen that Black Flag Brewing Co. on the Sunshine Coast released their um, the a social media post of their beer for the Gabs Festivals. The beer was called Barely Legal. It is an 18.1% quad IPA and um, the tap decal and uh, imagery associated with it is the same typeface and look I'm I'm led to believe of Pornhub so um it, it is uh, appropriately led to um what media outlets are calling backlash but I guess um disappointment and cynicism in the industry uh and I'll sort of kick off my thoughts which are um, full disclosure to to listeners, I when Black Flag was originally founded, I was in a brief relationship with the founding brewer who's no longer there. So I knew the guys for, a, you know, a couple of months um, when they first kicked off Black Flag and have watched it develop uh, from over a couple of years ago. Um, I saw the social media post myself on Tuesday night, it must have been, it was sort of around 5.36, and my first thoughts were, excuse my language, are you kidding me? And my second thoughts were, this doesn't seem that surprising coming from them. And then my third thoughts was to look down at the comments underneath the post and at this stage it hadn't been up for very long and there were about 40 or so comments but the, there wasn't a single comment underneath that was negative. There was lots of, don't forget the 0.1%, lots of um, I know that branding. And, you know, I, I sort of put my phone away because I was at dinner, but my thoughts were, you know, look at the crowd that has been cultivated by this brand they have cultivated a following of misogynistic pricks, excuse my language. Um, And so I just, I was just furious because only earlier that day I'd been in discussions with various people, including you, Matt, around sort of the future of the industry and how are we going to elevate craft beer? And this is taking it away from sort of 
and I think Steve Brockman uh, did a post, various people have posted, I mean, there is no world in which it's acceptable. So, you know, I, I just don't think there's any need to sort of dignify whether something like this um, reaches a line, crosses a line. It is completely inappropriate. Um, but, you know, I rolled it up to the next level and I was just like, it's just shit like this that at an industry level prevents us from hitting, I don't know, from getting to that next place. How can we elevate craft beer when this is the sort of shit that happens in our industry? How can we encourage people beyond, quite frankly, the black flag founder photos of dudes sort of grunge? And don't get me wrong, their aesthetic, they nailed it, but I just... It, it just didn't make it open and encouraging to everyone. And you've just come out of the US talking about the issue with uh, being inclusive to all drinkers. And and this couldn't, this is so grossly outside of what could be considered appropriate. So, I mean, I've got lots and lots of rage uh, about it. Um, ironically, another black flag beer. But, you know, I just, um, I, I don't know... My only hope is that this causes breweries across the country to refocus their thoughts around what does inclusivity look like. And I also hope that this causes the IBA to take action under their standards of conduct policy. Yeah, look, uh, uh, yeah, well said. And, you know, I'd, I, I think this is an issue that rightly the leading, you know, the industry's leading women have come out very strongly against and championed, um, which is great. You know, it, 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 we have a leadership group of women who can speak out uh, about these things. And so, you know, I, as, as a man in the industry, I condemn, you know, I, I just very strongly condemn everything ab about this. Um, and, you know, for, for those reasons, it's not inclusive, it's demeaning, um, it's puerile, it's stupid, all of those things. And like you, Sabrina, you know, Black Flag's been a brewery that I've watched. The aesthetic doesn't resonate with me because that's not, you know, that, that's not me. But at the same time, we want the industry to reflect everybody, but also hopefully in a way that doesn't exclude anybody. And there was just always something about the way I've observed this brewery to carry itself. It has been that, you know, when you look at when you hear the phrase toxic masculinity and things, that's really the way that it's come across to me. Um, and I'm sure that that's not the always the aesthetic that that musical genre and that um, you know that, that that's not what it always portrays. But that has been what it is. Matt, do you remember when they crowdfunded? And I actually remember this distinctly. They crowdfunded last year and they put out their prospectus and I actually said to you there's not a single woman in their leadership team and there's one a photo of one woman in their entire prospectus. Mm. And I was like, if this doesn't say we're a bunch of dudes, uh, and, I, and I've made this point over the last couple of days, they have only surrounded themselves with people who think like them, look like them, uh, and most importantly, not a single person was able to say, don't think this is a good idea. Like yeah. how does shit like this get done, right? So if you are only hiring people like groupthink, right, toxic masculinity groupthink, then shit like this is going to happen. Well, and again, I, I, because I've been travelling, I haven't really had the opportunity to, to dig in 
And congratulations to the Crafty Pint um, who, ha- who had, you know, gotten out and spoken to the leaders, and that's the sort of leading article on, on the story. Um, and so I can only take, without having done my own investigations, take that at face value. Um, and, you know, it, 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 it's a little bit like when Black Hops and the Pussy Juice came out, you know, they threw the woman in the brewery under the bus saying it was her naming. Um, and, again, I don't know the full story, but there was everything about not just the name, about the copy that was written by men in, in, in the brewery. And then, you know, to take your point, when it came out, the comments were that bro culture commentary that the brewery had attracted based on its aesthetic. And then when women in the industry spoke up, they were howled out and, you know, called snowflakes and things like that. And not one person from the brewery then stood up and said, hey, guys, these women are right. We did the wrong thing. And in all of the commentary that I've read, um, I haven't seen Black Flag come out and say anything other than this was just about turning 18. And, you know, (laughs) Pornhub and, you know, um, you know, porn literature and, you know, all of those stylings, aren't about turning 18. That's, you know, it, 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 it's not a birthday cake. It's not a key to the, you know, th- th- there's a whole lot of other ways you can celebrate turning 18. This was very deliberately on the face of it. But apart from having deleted the post, there is nothing on their social media acknowledging their error, you know, saying, yes, we read it wrong, you know, which is the bare, bare minimum it's dissembling, it's, you know, not even taking account to it and not apologising. Not apologising. The comment was, um, and I'm just going to look for it um, in James's article in the Crafty Pint, but was that it landed so badly. And I was like, are you f- kidding me? Like it didn't land, you put it there. Like this is not some sort of like it's somebody else's fault because they were offended by your up post this is there is absolutely no responsibility taken for the fact that it was wrong and you know that black flag in their comments said well we were going to pick these other things to say barely legal but even if that's true your group decided not to pick any of those other things you picked the one that was you know ostensibly about uh, sexualizing minors but even if it had been one of those other things in a industry where we are supposed to support the um responsible use of alcohol we shouldn't be encouraging anyone who's just turned 18 to be drinking a quadruple IPA. Uh, so uh, well, any, I, 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 I didn't way, even want to legitimize those arguments. It but, was just, as you said. Any which way you look at it, any which way you look at it, it was dumb. It's stupid. And, I mean, I'm gonna, I'm so ragey, but the even, it, like, Gabs, right, like, how has this sat with Gabs for six weeks? Oh, uh, yeah, look, I, I, and again, I mean, I, I only read the Crafty Pints article and, you know, they get, what, 120 brewery you know, beer names coming in. You know, if, if, if you don't see everything together, it can just be words. I mean, it, it's still inappropriate. And, you know, there's a whole other thing about the, the whole Gabs, you know, hype-driven beer thing. But I, I'm keen to hear Ian's thoughts. Yeah, yeah. Um... 
Maybe it's the time of life that I'm at where I'm really <laughs> becoming a father, um, you know, which I've been a father for a long time now, but where I'm beyond angry at this and I'm just extremely, extremely disappointed. We had an incident a few years back now, let's say four or five years ago, that should have been an example for others to see. And if you haven't taken an example from that now, you need to examine yourself. This is extremely, extremely disappointing. I do not buy into it one bit that it is um, anything to do with just turning 18, so having the keys to being able to drink or anything. This term has never in my lifetime have I ever heard it used for being barely legal, that you know, you're barely legal to drink. It's a term that is around um, the sexualization of minors. This is extremely inappropriate. This is extremely disappointing. You know, it, it hearts breaks me to think when there are many people trying to elevate our industry and it's what we've got to do at the moment in order for beer to go forward and we can take this um, uh, uh, through from conversations you have on, on the beer as a conversation this week, Matt, about, about what we need to do to take beer forward and we don't need to look at other things. We need to be beer and we need to show that beer is a sophisticated and caring um, elevated beverage. And things like this just do not show that. This is um, juvenile. If a 17-year-old told me that they were coming up with this name for beer, I'd say, dude, Let's have a rethink about this. This is the time we need to sit down and have a have a talk about um, what's appropriate and what's not. And this is um, incredibly inappropriate. Leaves me just so so disappointed. Um, and this can be nothing to do with the um, and particularly you know you you really can't say that you were trying to make it look like uh, uh, the the keys to being able to drink when you did come out with the. Uh, with imagery associated with a porn site, a porn site that um, has lots of controversy. We're not talking about a porn site that's held in regard for the way that it is um, being quite ethical. Um, there is lots of controversy around uh, Pornhub itself and and the the ethics of Pornhub as a porn site, not even around the ethics of pornography. Um, now, from someone who uh, grew up and who still identifies um, with music that is the the punk rock heavy loud abrasive this is nothing that i would have ever associated with that and in fact goes against um the uh, uh many of the ethics um around punk music um but yeah I, i'm just so disappointed uh, and I am disappointed in Gabs too for not picking up on this. This should not have been allowed to because this term is just used there. There are other terms that um, along that same times, uh, inappropriate porn terms, that would have been just as much of a red flag. You, you cannot name a beer uh, in, in this way. Yeah. And I think, you know, like we're all ragey about it and I guess my next thing is, well, what what happens next? Because as we've noted, there's been no accountability but what is the accountability? And I'm hopeful um, that the accountability here is, uh, um, and it may be a longer drawn one, but Black Flag have invested significantly in a new brewery. They raised uh, capital off the back of it. They now have shareholders. Let's hope some of those shareholders decide to be active and hold the brewery to, to account for that. So if you're a consumer and invested in Black Flag shares and you don't think this reflects the brand that you want, you are now an owner and you should step in and make your voice heard on that. So that is one group of people that can um, 
make a point here. The second is they have over-invest, over-capitalised, um, they've got a massive brewery production facility now on the Sunshine Coast in a highly competitive market. Um, this is bad for business. So this is bad for the industry, but it's bad for business for Black Flag. And so, you know, we're going to see that potentially be an outcome for them. I mean, if you were uh, a local um, stockist, this has hit mainstream media. This is no longer just a beer industry discussion. Um, this is now how the media wants to portray the beer industry. So, you know, it's on all of the on all of the um, standard media sites with its great clickbait. Everybody's going to know about this. So let's hope stockers don't stock it. Let's hope the IBA does something about it. And let's hope that as we get into these really serious conversations that I know are happening at Wobba, are happening in breweries ourselves, are happening at Pink Boots, are happening amongst um, beer agents, for drinks agents for change at the IBA, that we actually go, right, what are we going to do to prevent this happening again? So, yep, we've got standards of conduct for the IBA. Um, but what are we going to do to turn the ship? Because this shit just cannot go on. How often do we see this happening in wine or spirits, right? Yes, and that and that is why they're that is why they're viewed as m- more mature than we are, and why their drink can be seen in a more elevated position when we behave like a group of seventeen-year-olds uh, around things. Now, what we need is positive pressure um, on on this. We don't need negative pressure we need positive pressure to help um those people um on their journey to reforming let's um i would love to see the the name of this beer change before before gabs um, i would love to see black flag take the initiative and know and say okay we messed up everyone messes up sometimes we messed up in a bad way and we're going to change the name of 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 this beer and show ourselves that we are a brewery that's um on the path to making sure that we're doing the right thing by ourselves by the community that we exist in and that's not just the beer community that's the community of australia um and let, let's see some change, positive pressure to see a change. Oh, I mean, everybody who gets the Gabs official booklet at Gabs in a couple of days' time in Melbourne is going to have it in their booklet. So are Gabs going to reprint? Like what responsibility? That would be lovely. That would be lovely to think that they would. I, I can understand this is going to be difficult by this weekend, but wow, I'd love to think that when I go to Gabs in Brisbane on the tenth of June, that 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 beer will not be um, in the program. That would be a wonderful sign from from Gabs and Black Flag. And even more, Ian. Like I know Matt, we talked about Gabs, but certainly we're seeing a repositioning by Gabs. Um, more recently towards something that is a less elevated beer experience and certainly a more um, get-amongst-it beer experience. But in what world should an 18.1% beer be an offering at Gab's at all when we're not promoting excessive alcohol, we're promoting taste? So um, I can fully see how this has happened in the Gab's office in terms of, um, you know, they mentioned a female co-worker was doing with it uh, was reviewing them all, but actually that's not good enough because we are in an industry that is about responsible service of alcohol and creating a safe environment for people to drink. And so if the person reviewing those items didn't have the nous or experience to, as you say, Ian, see the brief description as posted in the Crafty Pint article that said barely legal 18.1% quad IPA and go, "Mm, hold up, that sounds bad. 
then well, what, and, and that's where what, Sabrina like somebody you know, should have somebody, and then that says, okay, we have some of the largest organizers of the beer industry's face to consumer who doesn't actually understand how we should be representing our industry. This is one of the challenges that we've got when you've got commercial pressure. You know, there's a great quote. It's difficult to get someone to understand something when their salary depends on them not understanding. <laughs> and when Gabs has built itself on extreme beers and, you know, even more so this year, they have become the folk. They were always a draw card and an attraction, but it was about elevating the beer culture and celebrating the best of beer. Um, you know, I... Yeah, look, I, 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 I hear what you're both saying. I, you know, I, I'm willing to give a little bit more benefit of the doubt that when you just these things come through, it should have stood out. But it depends on what you're looking for, um, and I, I, I don't know. But the, the fact that this was clearly intended by the brewery because of all of the imagery and and, and the terms, um, and you know, so but. As you said at the beginning, what quite apart from the issue itself and the sexualization of children and um, you know the, the 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 gender inclusivity aspect, it's the fact that there is an element of the industry that seems this form of attention getting hype um, as as the way to move the industry forward. Um, you know, it's. Something that, you know, it was a little bit dispiriting. As as wonderful as the conference was, it was a little bit dispiriting. We talked very briefly about it last week, but at CBC conference, at, at CBC, um, to to hear the challenges that it faces, and as I, I've reflected on it for the week, and you know, craft beer really kicked off as being something that was new and in reinvigorating the brewing industry. And, you know, when, when he and I started doing um, beer tastings together, and Ian had been doing this even before we met, um, you know, about the culture of service, the culture of knowledge, the culture of beer and food appreciation, the culture of, you know, glassware, and you know, all of the things about the industry that we saw craft beer as elevating and then adding diversity to flavour. Um you know, I read a I read a quote um, that I'd recorded about five years ago from one of the new generation of US brewers who, you know, has has made a name getting into seltzers and a range of other things. And his attitude was, I got into this industry because I wanted to make cool shit. And it only struck me in light of, you know, five years passing that that is a fundamental change in the industry. You know, whether it's you know, I just want to get make crazy ass designs, or I want to just you know make meme uh, beer brands, or I want to you know just see how how much ridiculous stuff I can put in to get attention. And it you know, it, as that has become what a significant part of the industry is about, um, as that moves through the industry, it will because it's highly fashionable. Instead of having seen craft beer as a force for good for the broader beer category of which it is part, I'm just seeing it as a really negative it, – it's leaving a really negative stain on beer as a category. It, it, it's further infantilizing beer, which was always a casual drink, but it's, it, it's actually becoming really infantilized, and, and that's going to hurt long term. I think it is, and I'll join a couple of dots sort of moving on to other items that we had in um, News of the Week, you know, to sort of underscore the disparity. But 
Um, you had your beer as a conversation with uh, uh, Adam, Phil and Nick, um, which I thought was a really interesting conversation, fascinating to see how those three minds think about the industry, and I loved it. Um, and And one of those pieces that... Phil Meddings talked about was really that need to kind of get back to it being occasional sociability. It's the drink that brings people together. It's the thing that you have, you know, to have that conversation. And so, um, you know, we're, we're in the midst of Good Beer Week, which started many, many years ago, many moons ago, to elevate and promote craft beer, quote unquote. And as I said last week, you know, if you look into the Good Beer Week program, there are some really elevated experiences in there. But the bits that media and others have chosen to highlight in that program help reinforce why beer is the category of beverage that does dumb shit. But funnily enough, that's what everyone's pandered to because that's what gets media attention. And it's a brew dog effect. It's, I mean, James, the shit James Watt's been posting this week. Anyway, so... But my piece is if you look in the Good Beer Week program, there's some really highly quali- quality elevated experiences. And, and I um, came across a media release this week from uh, the WA government um, called WA Plating Up. Uh, and it says Plating Up WA is an initiative of the state government Buy West Eat Best program and runs in June, showcasing dishes that feature WA's best winter ingredients paired with local craft beer, wine, or non-alc beverages. And I read that line and I saw this press release from the WA government and I thought they fundamentally get it. They get it. Beer isn't pulled out as something separate or distinct from the foodie experience. It is spoken about in line with wine. Um, and non-alc offerings, it's just part of a high-end cultivated food and beverage experience. And I uh, know the WA government is working on a craft beer strategy. Shout out to everybody in WA, the WA Brewers Association, who have worked so hard to get the government on board and who then the government really get it. They're putting out these lines. And the distinction between that and the way Good Beer Week has been covered and then how these incidences get covered it says to me there are still bright spots. The announcement of the um, advanced sort of association of certified C- Cicero professionals. Yeah, Paul, um, Paul Daly's. Paul Daly's group, Paul Daly and Friends, their group, um, fa- fabulous. Like that is a bright spot that's happened in the last couple of weeks. And so I do think it's there, but I can imagine, Matt, for you and Ian, who've been um, running this race longer. Well, I'd love to hear Ian's thoughts because, again, he, again, not without doing too much ass kissing on, on Mike, but, uh, you know, Ian really shaped, you know, going back almost 18, 19 years, really shaped my view of the culture that we should aspire to with beer that's not pretentious, but it can still be a little bit more elevated. Yeah, it, it, we do. That's what we have to do. If the beer industry is going to to um, continue to have growth or really to to survive, um, we really do need to look at what we can do. It's a longer term thing. It's not going to happen overnight. We talked a little bit about it. Uh, I believe it was last week. Uh, a strategy to get us through to to look us over the next next twenty years, and elevating that elevating beer is, I believe, the the, the way that. Um, that we can we can get ourselves on the track that we should be we should be on. Beer does not have to be pretentious. Um, same as wine doesn't have to be either. 
Um, nothing does. Um, but we can show it's elevated and something to be treated with, with respect, um, that it's something that can be in, in fine places. Um, doing juvenile stuff is not the way forward for that. All we'll get ourselves is that little bit, you know, it's uh, that little bit of flashy attention, but we'll still be uh, thought as the um, the juvenile in the corner of the room. You know, we we, we, we do have to look, um, yeah, uh, I, I, I believe that. Sorry, I've done just, I, I'm in a really disappointed moment over over the last last few days and, and um, um, the last two days and what, what, what that's done to what many are trying to do to create uh, and keep a viable industry. Mm. So, I mean, I think, you know, the rally cry from us is, um, you know, when there are some initiatives that come out that look to change the culture um, of that the industry represents, um, let's hope people get in behind it and do the work necessary to affect that cultural change because, as I, as I alluded to, you know, Matt, you and Ian have been at it for, let's call it 18 years. I've been at it for, let's call it five years Um you know, it, it's it's hard going um, and as um, you discussed with the guys on the CBC uh, chat, you know, there is a need for a 10-year vision and plan for craft beer and investment and execution in that and that is not uh, the purview of the IBA alone. It is, it is the purview of all of us. So, um Beer Australia, here we come. Um, let's all get in behind something like that. We can all do that as our own individuals too. Um, we need some organisation and we need to work together as an industry in a cohesive way to do this. But we also need all of us on the ground um, doing what we can to make the industry, help the industry move forward in this way by looking, by calling out things that aren't right. And we don't need to call people out endlessly for that. We need to... Um, let them know our thoughts and we um, help them in their, on their path and move forward. And that can be things like what's happened this week or it can be the way beer is served, the way beer is promoted, um, the way that we act when we're at events, when we're at, when we're leaving events, the way that we as the beer community like ourselves to be to be seen. Um, we all need to be doing that as, as beer lovers in order to move it forward and then as an industry we need to get together and have a plan about how we do this on on a bigger scope but every every one of us every one of us listening to this podcast can contribute to beer's future and and ian i think that was a really valuable point you just made which is um i've often held something in my mind a statement that says we can't call ourselves progressive if we don't allow people to progress and so um you know there should be a way back from this uh for the guys at Black Flag, if they show genuine uh, interest in apologising, moving forward and taking next steps, um, and uh, we should always make room for people to learn and grow. So fingers crossed we can all do that. On to our more sort of um, stock standard corporate news, I guess, after half an hour of um, <laughs> ra rage talking. Um, Behemoth and Kaiju to share trademark, Melbourne's Kaiju Beer and New Zealand's Behemoth Brewing have reached an agreement to share the Behemoth trademark in Australia. The word Behemoth was trademarked in 2014 by Southeast Brewing Company, which, tra which trades as Kaiju Beer in Australia, preventing Behemoth Brewing from trading under its New Zealand name when it launched its brand here in 2016. Instead, it tra traded as Chur Brewing in Australia. 
Following a recent relaunch on this side of the Tasman, the two companies have reached an agreement to share the Behemoth trademark, with Chur to relaunch as Behemoth Brewing Company in Australia at this weekend's Gabs Festival in Melbourne. Under the agreement, Kaiju will continue to make its wear strides the Behemoth Double India Black Ale. So that's a great outcome. Um, this had huge engagement uh, on both uh, across our social media with really sort of positive feedback um, that this had finally been resolved. So I think kudos to Kaiju and Behemoth for finding a, a way through this. Mm. The last little couple of lines that I'll pull out of the story that you did, Matt, which caught my eye, was um, Behemoth had announced its intention to relaunch in Australia signing a distribution deal with Caddy in March. After their voluntary administration, it's put um, Behemoth's plans a little bit backwards. Uh, child, Andrew Childs of Behemoth had said he'd managed to get his stock back from Caddy's possession in Melbourne um, and he was still working to obtain stock back in Sydney. Um, I had also seen posts, Michael Payne, who has the non-out brand Lightning Mines, posted uh, yesterday on LinkedIn, was thrown into a shitstorm this week with how Caddy dealt with their fall into administration. Hope other small producers caught in this mess are seeing their way through. So clearly, um, as we had anticipated and discussed, it's sort of small and not so small with behemoth producers that have really been affected by the Caddy administration. And um, I'm sure we haven't heard the end of just what the just how significant the impacts are going to be across. And there are a lot of yeah, there are, there are a lot of businesses that have been caught up in the Caddy, and uh, it's one of them because the warehouses stock this in warehouses the administrators come in they need to resolve yeah. things before they can get it out so it's uh, it. yeah, yeah. I, I think a lot of people are, are caught up in that one as well matt if i had previously launched as chur brewing company and then i decided to relaunch as behemoth brewing company is there anything that you can think of that i might need to do Funnily enough, when I was in the States, I met this guy who has a, a little company that apparently does labeling um, called Rallings Labels, Stickers and Packaging. So it, it was just fortuitous that he was at CBC because he was able to tell me all about whether it's shrink wrapping or new cartons or stickers to put over things. They can do it all. And they're responsive. They've got a lot of customers in the craft brewing industry who speak very highly about them. So, uh, yeah, um, I, 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 I just don't happen to have his number in front of me. So, Sabrina, do you know? one three hundred eight five two two three five, or email sales at rallingsprint.com.au to help make your brand sing. They're good people. Give them a call. So on another um sort of small piece of news, Fortitude Brewing recall Pacer, a Fortitude Brewing Company out of Queensland have conducted a recall of their six and 24 packs of Pacer beer. The product has been available for sale at Fortitude Brewing Co. and Dan Murphy's um, due to secondary fermentation possibly containing excess alcohol and carbonation may cause illness or injury if consumed. So um, I think... You know, um, one thing that I think the industry has clearly shown progress on is the way that in which they respond to food recalls, the communication around it, um, the actions that are taken, the the plans that are in place. The IBA have a guide on this. So um, this is just news, um, hopefully, for Fortitude Brewing. 
Um, it well, it's, a, it's, it's a real shame. Like, you know, it's, it's, it's a, a tough one. They, these things can happen. Um, and, and I don't know the, the, the details. So I'm not sure. Ian, do you know anything more about this having? <laughs> no. Uh, no, I don't know anything more about this one uh, at all. I saw that yesterday. And um, having had a history of being one of the founders of, of that company, um, designing <laughs> that beer, actually, <laughs> um, uh, I had a lot of people contact me about it. Um, hopefully, they've. Uh, They've got everything they need to be able to conduct a successful recall and uh, trace back everything that they can from here. I'm sure that they'll do an investigation into it and uh, find out where they think that um, uh, secondary fermentations come from um, and yeah, that they're able to execute it in the way that they need to. But no, I have no further information. That's so funny. Ian, you are so the Kevin Bacon of the Brisbane brewing industry. <laughs> yeah. you're, you're, not a, you're not a real Queensland brewery if I haven't brewed for you yet. I just, every time there's a story, I have no idea that you were like intimately involved in it in some way. <laughs> in another piece of news slash media release slash announcement, um, there's a new CEO for Coles. Um, we brought the news a few weeks ago that the then um, head of Liquorland had stepped down um, and today there's an announcement that Michael Courtney has been promoted to the new role of Chief Executive Officer for Coles Liquor. Um, this is an internal um, appointment by Coles with um, Michael Courtney having led Coles Express um, over the last number of years. So um, this is fairly significant because Coles are obviously making a massive uh, investment and play in the quote-unquote craft or at least indie beer space. And this week, uh, we knew the IBA had been working on it. They gave a bit of an announcement in their newsletter that they have reached a new partnership with Coles Liquor around a range of benefits and resources for their members. Details to be finalised, but they've said uh, they, the IBA, have said that the first benefit is the rollout of local ranging options to IBA members. And Coles was quoted as saying, as part of the announcement, that Coles local stores now have autonomy to choose from a range list of local breweries and products to add to their own venues because there is this really strong focus on local ranging and supporting local um and so uh that is a practical some practical resources and outcomes that can come from uh for, for small and independent brewers and a deal that the iba has struck um but that is why this appointment is significant for for the for industry and in particular indie breweries because um there's clearly an investment uh, by Coles going on in this space right now, and and never more important. You know, again, the discussions we've had about uh, the vertical integration and, and the big retailers. You know, uh, go back and listen to them. That we're, we're on record, but at the same time, they are incredibly important to, to small breweries, and they can make and break small breweries, and uh, based on the decisions that they make. So it'll be interesting to see. How much this is a you know it's a very hot competition between Coles and Woolworths. Um, I know when we published their last results, um, I got a follow up email noting that I hadn't pointed out that Coles growth that we had reported on, you know the, the the PR made a point to point out that their growth had been greater than Woolworths, which they wanted to uh, to put in. So they clearly um, <laughs> you know they're, they're clearly very con conscious of the competition between the two, but hopefully the partnership with the IBA is about actually doing something for the industry as opposed to just a you know self-promotional um, you know move. I'm sure it'll cut both ways, but we saw Coles get pretty significantly involved um, with Gabs last year when we did the hot or this year, 
um, a few months ago when we did the hottest 100. Um, you know, there was a fairly sizable investment there. Um, we had been approached by staff there to provide data to support um, national, to support more localised ranging. They'd obviously gone and now struck a deal with the IBA. So, but that is clearly a sort of a systemic program of activity that Coles are taking. Um, And at a time when, you know, we've talked about hitting that national distribution is harder, actually, if you can get into your local bottle shop and your plan is to stay local and be local, um, and that is your business model. And as Adam Tripp-Smith has said on the the latest podcast, do something and do it really well and excel at what you do well. then this is a great opportunity. Um, And the final sort of piece of news that I think is, you know, an example of positive news that the industry is doing, Your Mates Brewing Co. on the Sunshine Coast um, have formally launched a new not-for-profit initiative, the Mateship Foundation, which is dedicated to encouraging and champion social and environmental change in our Queensland backyard or their Queensland backyard. It's been as an initiative underway since 2019, but it was sort of formally established uh, late in 2022 to raise funds. Uh, The goal is to raise $100,000 in each calendar year and they have, uh, the foundation has already raised and donated $30,000 to local charities this year, including young veterans. So um, this is an example of, you know, we've just talked to local with Coles, we've just talked what another competitor is doing on the Sunshine Coast and what your mates is doing, like so many other breweries across the country, is um, really investing in their local community. And as people on this podcast have heard me say previously, um, this really resembles um, the charity slash giving program that Shining Peak Brewery um, have out of Taranaki in New Zealand, which I think is one of the best programs in terms of transparency, actual deliverables, um, measurability, etc. And so this really mirrors that program. And I think, um, you know, that's great. Yeah, this is this sounds really good. I'd like to know some more details about what they do and how they do it. Uh, what I really like from this story is that they've been so open straight up with how much they've already raised, how much they've raised this year and what their goal is to raise um, this year rather than just saying we're going to get part of proceeds to this and we never hear anything on from there. Here we are actually seeing this is what we've done, this is what we've done so far this year and this is what we aim to to do this year. And, yeah, I'd, 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 I'd love to hear more, uh, even more about it and, and see how it works. It sounds really good. Uh, I agree, you know, that's the big thing around a lot of charity partnership. It's we'll donate some of our profits and you don't actually know what the sum is. You don't know when it's going to go. But programs like this that are really transparent, um, I should say um, that there is a link on their website that you can actually apply for a grant. So if you are a local charity or group that would like some funds for something, you have the ability to express an interest in that. And I think that's also really um, in terms of transparency and making it available to everyone, not just sort of people that you're connected with, um, really gives an opportunity for for the love to be distributed. So um, shout out to your mates. Yeah, that's actually a really mature addition to it. I I didn't know that. Um, That's that's really good. Yeah. Um, So in sort of other other news, um, I think we've well and truly covered off um, your Beer as a Conversation panel discussion. I'm just going to give a shout out to another podcast um, that we have right now on Brewery Pro. And this is called Certified Sustainable and it was recorded at the Bintani Trade Day early in February. Um, 
But it is actually a discussion about how Bintani and associated partners using the certified sustainable process are developing a low carbon footprint malt. So a low carbon footprint barley and therefore a low carbon footprint malt. And when we talk sort of about elevating the product of beer and the shining bright sparks and, again, um, you know, the challenges with capital investment in major programs at a time when cash flow is so tight, to have seen this program come through and, and there be an actual option that's coming through that is grassroots Australian, um, I think that if you have the time, this is something that I'd encourage you to listen to the technicality on because, you um, you know, for want of everything, we're an agricultural product and we started agriculture and it's really lovely to see how this is connected backwards into farming. Um, so I think this is a really interesting one myself. Yeah, I've, ha- I've had a listen to that one, Sabrina. I really enjoyed that. I found that of, um, of great interest. And uh, what they're talking about in that is showing how they're going to verify and how it cannot be fudged around it. You can't have any greenwashing because we, we there is – a fair bit of that goes on. Um, very interesting. Um, I look forward to seeing what they do with the product and, and the availability of it and then uh, utilising the learnings from that for the future. Um, I Anyone that's working in a brewery, I highly encourage you to have a have a listen to it because it's something we've all got to think about more and more, not just as brewers but as of members of our world community, what we can what we can do and how we can know that we are doing going about it the right way and in a way that's not just short short term but is um has a longer term uh, true impact um on on our world uh on on, on the world that we live in here aiba judging is underway right now shout out to all of those of you that are stewarding and judging at the aibas and sticking around for elements of good beer week um many of you have sent us messages in the last couple of days and photos so kudos to all of you it sounds like a fabulous time hi to all of my kiwi judges who are over i miss you moving on to then brewery of the week um which is brought to you by Bluestone Yeast. Bluestone Yeast can supply pitches of yeast from 1 litre to 100 litres at greater than 2 billion cells per milliliter. Whether you're after a one-off pitch or you're looking for weekly, fortnightly or monthly deliveries of yeast, Bluestone Yeast has got you covered. You can reach out to them at info at bluestoneyeast.com.au or Derek on 0385183172 and talk all things yeast. Matt. And I'll have to check with Derek because I think he's been compiling a list of our breweries of the week for his um, website. So I'll have to see because um, we haven't got one on our website. <laughs> we just uh, do it. But we'll have to refer people because I'm not sure. I know I've talked about this brewery before, but I'm not sure if I made it Brewery of the Week. And and, and this week particularly, you know, going back to the, the things that I, I took away from the the craft brewers conference, and I'm I'm calling the Bob Hawke Beer and Leisure Centre um, at Hawks um, Brewing my brewery of the week. I just happen to be in Sydney. Um, I, I'm I'm actually making my way to Lord Howe Island of all uh, of all places. Uh, very very generously invited by the Lord Howe Island Brewery. Um, to, to go visit it and we reported on it when it was launched when they, the project was launched I think even before COVID or just during COVID um, but I found myself in Sydney because the flights were cancelled due to weather and it, it wasn't too far away so I went down to the Hooks uh, uh, Beer and Leisure Centre and again I, it, 
when I was in the States, so many breweries look exactly the same. And it's, it's kind of like, and, and I mentioned this last week, Sabrina, um, you know, if you close your eyes and think of a craft brewery, it's an industrial space with some tanks at one end, some Ikea chairs, you know, very, very, very same. And the path forward is, you know, a little bit of differentiation. You know, so mark yourself out, you know, that that, that style is done. And the thing I love about the, the Bob Hawke um, Beer and Leisure Centre is just the, how beautifully they've executed something that's a little bit differently. It's still a working brewery. It's got all that, but they've created this on-brand, very, you know, intelligent, detail-oriented um, space and a great place to have a feed. The beer is good, quite obviously, but, you know, as I've been saying for a while, craft breweries, you know, tap rooms are no longer just the place where that is an adjunct to your production space. It's not just the place where people can come and sample your beer in the shade of the brewery. It is a hospitality space. And, you know, I, I just sort of love, and I would love to see, you know, not people doing the same thing, but, you know, more people doing exactly that sort of, you know, well thought out on brand execution for their, you know, their, their, their brewery. Did you get to eat the prawn toast? I did have the prawn toast. It's I love so the prawn toast. Good. It's crab so omelet, good. So crab omelette. Crab omelette. I want you to know that um, I had never had a Hawks beer before, went to um, the Hawks Leisure Centre, had the prawn toast, had beer, loved the vibe and loved the experience so much that um, I then subsequently buy the patio um, ale when I see it in fridges up in Queensland. So it had the impact that it that a venue can and should have which is I enjoyed it so much I now choose that beer so um out of my local fridge so I I love that venue um great and the prawn toast is um memorable yeah that's that's on my bucket list um really it's probably the top of my bucket list in Australia at the moment I haven't been to Sydney in quite a while now but I'm so desperate to um to to get to that place I I often show to family and friends that are sort of uh, a bit more distant from the beer industry than myself, uh, I show them the lucky prawn and the, the, the second they're like, that's in a that's in a brewery. And it's like, yeah, that's, that's a brewery. And um, it brings back so many memories um, of of my childhood and the, the places that we would go to when when mum and dad want to, to take us out. Um, you know, I, I love, I, I'll sit there and look at the Insta um, for the lucky prawn <laughs> and look at the photos and I'm taken back to 1983 um, and, um, yeah, and what was a wonderful night out for for me as a kid, and, and that's the thing, you know. To to me, I've got those associations with. So I like it on that level that it does. You know, I'm 53, so I remember the 80s as a young teenager, and that was the sort of place that you went to. But the reason I celebrate it in in, in this capacity is not because of my own personal you know attachment to it. It's the fact that they have done something different and clever that you know most breweries could invoke in some way themselves that that's you know going to be a, a different iteration and may not have that affiliation with me but it's marking themselves out as a venue to go for for a very distinct experience um which a lot of breweries probably can't say yeah that's 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 true that that's um it's about creating an entire experience for someone where it's um, wonderful beer, but it doesn't just have to be the the beer. It's the entire package of the place where it gives you an experience where the sum of the parts, uh, you know, or, or is greater than the whole, or, or maybe it's the whole is greater than the 
the sum of the parts, really. Uh, and that's what it appears. Without having visited there, that's what it appears. And I think we could all take a lot of learnings from there. Yeah, we don't all need to make a classic Australian Chinese restaurant as our cellar door, but that shows um, a really good, good idea. And there's surely a million of those ideas that, that people could have come up with to make their um, uh, uh, make the cellar door experience um, something that's wonderful. So, yeah, I'm jealous, Matt. Um, not talking to you for the rest of the episode now. <laughs> <laughs> So that's Hawks Leisure Centre. Matt, you and I are both in Melbourne next week from Wednesday for a few days. And before then, I'm, if, if the weather clears, I'll be on Lord Howe Island. So I look at, for some reports from Lord Howe Island. I'm really, really looking forward. I'm really excited about it, actually, because it is um, – there, there are a couple of stories coming out of it because it was the one that was launched by Lion when Chuck Hahn and James Brindley um, – they actually announced it on a beer as a conversation I was doing with them that they were partnering with the Maxwell family – but then Lion has been retreating from its small brewery. So my understanding is that the Maxwells have just taken over the brewery and they it, 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 it's entirely theirs with no association with Lion at all. And I know that Chuck um, Hahn, who I spoke to recently, is a little bit uh, disappointed about that because he had a, a, you know, a lot of invested him personally, um, you know, emotionally in, in building breweries. So I'm really looking forward to, to checking it out. And I, I do have to say that I am their guest. So uh, thank you to the Maxwells for flying me over. But uh, I'll, I'll be looking forward to reporting back next week. You know what's funny, Matt? We just did a post for a brewery that's for sale from the Sunshine Coast and uh, the one of the headlines in it is brewery designed by Chuck Hahn. And then, you know, the comments are this went to the Wigan pen. And so I think, you know, um, Chuck Hahn's little dabbling in building brew houses is certainly far He's been doing it for a long yeah, time. Exactly, exactly. Um, so, Matt, you and I will be in Melbourne next week. If anybody wants to get in touch with us, um, I'm going to be hanging around on Friday and a little bit of Saturday uh, to visit some breweries. Um, so if anybody wants to sing out, um, hang out, um, tell us which brewery we should visit, get in touch. Um, otherwise, we'll see a whole bunch of you at the AIBA dinner where Matt is the I MC, say, I think, uh, MC, MC, co-MC with uh, the wonderful Curly Wallhorn who uh, – I'll, I'll be sitting down the back somewhere in a box, so you won't see me. You'll just hear. I'll, I'll be the voice of God um, while Curly yeah. is actually on stage. Cool. Um, so we will see everyone then, and otherwise, we're done. That wraps up another week of news. Your hosts have been me, Sabrina Kunz, Ian Watson, and Matt Kierkegaard. The show is produced and edited by Joe Helder. We thank Rallings Labor's stickers and packaging and Bluestone Yeast for their support in making this episode possible.